filling the gaps. All right, all right, all right, all right. Amen. Amen. We live in the greatest country in the world. Yeah. It ain't always pretty, is it? I don't know about you, but in my maturing process, Donnie, there were some times that I look at the pictures and I'm thinking, what did I go through? Right? I mean, I've got pictures when I had hair of... I was about 12 years old, and, and I don't know what my hair or what I was thinking in fixing my hair, you know? I think I went through the ugly duckling stage, and some of you said that you're still there. You could part my hair, and, and the part went all the way to the back. I mean, like, back here. It's still parted. <laughs> it departed. I don't know what the problem is. I remember my mom uh, decided to give us a beautiful perm me and my dad a perm get that I look like orphan Annie as a boy that's the problem I have pictures <laughs> and, and and then there was the season of the face breakout I mean where it looked like Mount Rushmore had grown on my forehead. The fact is, is we all have a maturing process. Come on. It ain't always, is that hard to say ain't? Y'all good with that? Y'all from, from around here? It ain't always pretty. It isn't always glamorous. It doesn't always look good. But thank God, our goal is not necessarily the process. Our goal is the perfection in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. Yes, we live in a phenomenal country. And having been to 23 different countries, lived in one for eight years, I have learned to value and appreciate the process of maturity of our great country and thank God that we live in a wonderful blessed country amen 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 I want you to understand that that our freedom in the United States just as freedom in any country has its fragility it can be fragile right and we have to be careful of guarding that Freedom, understanding that we have a, a responsibility as men and women of God to walk in the liberty and freedom of the Holy Spirit. Amen? And so, because I think about just around the world, the, the destruction of Christianity and the demise of Christianity and how it has been tried to be wiped off of the face of the earth in numerous occasions. I think just in Sudan a few years ago, a lady who had been converted from Islam to Christianity was sought after to be killed, was convicted by law to be killed because of her conversion from Christianity to Islam. Can, I mean, from Islam to Christianity. Can you imagine that? Can you, it, 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 it's mind-boggling to think 
that because someone has the ability to choose the faith that they want to walk in, in some societies it brings condemnation over their life and literally a death sentence. But thank God for the, uh, the government of Italy who stepped in and was able to see this woman released and was able to go into Italy and then also be greeted by the Pope as she held her baby in her arms. I think of just societies that where, extreme, where extremists have tried to wipe away Christianity in Iran and Iraq. Did you realize most people don't understand that, that out of the wellsprings of there in Iran and Iraq was a hotbed for Christianity for many years, the Chaldean Christian, Christians. And yet when ISIL and all these different come in, they tried to wipe Christianity out. Thousands of, hundreds of thousands of people were murdered and slaughtered because of their faith in Jesus Christ. It's hard for us to brace. It's hard for us to imagine that those things were happening. It's easier for us to wipe away. It's easy for us to, to hide those facts because we live in such a bubble called the United States and we have everything that we ever could imagine. We can say anything that we want to say against anybody we want to say and we call it freedom of speech. And yet there are people who are literally being killed because they stand up for Jesus Christ. Christ. In our history, in our recent history, to think of the morbid idea that, that millions of Jews were slaughtered in the Holocaust, that some would like to deny, but yet facts prove the existence that millions were killed in a Holocaust. One of those guys by the name of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a Presbyterian clergyman, was put into prison because he was against Hitler's regime of killing the, his, in his anti-Semitic move of killing all the Jews. And in his revolt of saying, I don't agree with that, he was cast into prison. And, and before the end of World War II, because he would not denounce the faith and because he would not bow down and, and, and ask for forgiveness of Hitler, he was murdered and killed. But you know... Before that happened, he wrote some great material, The Cost of Discipleship. Too many times we don't understand the cost of discipleship because we don't know what sacrifice, we don't know what true discipline really is because we, we don't really, we think, well, you know, I'm a Christian because I go to church, but how often are you able to get into God's Word and seek His face? How do you, do you really know what it means to live out a Christian life? Do you really know what it means to be a disciple, to, to disciple others, to show them truth, to live a life that is holy before the Lord, to live a life that is free from the sins of the past and walk in the freedom of God? Amen? Amen. I mean, I'm so thankful that we live in this great country to think that the pilgrims who came here, came here to be liberated from, from tyranny that, would, that caused them to not be able to practice their faith in an open manner. So they came here and, and, and the words that we so flippantly put on our tags and on our money and on many things in God we trust, do we really know what that means? I mean, to think that the sacrifices that these people made, I mean, we... We have great hospitals, and, and, and the reason that, 
that even this pandemic hasn't affected us as it did in 1918 when the fever, uh, the black fever hit our countries because we have advanced so much in our medical technology that we have so many avenues and means to help people? Why? Because we live in such an awesome country. There's a reason why people around the world want to come to this place. Because they can come here and live in a freedom. They can come here and have a dream of prosperity. They can come here and don't have to worry about the tyranny and corruption of their own governments. And the breakdown of living in bondage and fear of, of the enemy coming in and killing them all. Amen. Does that make us perfect? Are you perfect? Somebody said, I'm looking for the perfect church. I'm saying, well, look, dude, you, as soon as you walk in, you've made it messed up. Because we are broken people and broken people do broken things. And therefore, we're, that's why we have the slogan, everybody needs Jesus. Because we recognize that we don't get it right all the time. But we're seeking the one who can creating us a right spirit we're seeking the one who can transform us into his image who presents us to the father as a perfected being and knowing that we are being transformed from glory to glory we are all in this process and journey together to be changed by the power of the holy spirit amen man i just want to say fill the room fill the room lord I mean, to think where we've come from, religiously, the freedom we have. To think where we've come from in our social, economic, our educational center system, our politics system, our technology system. Is it perfect? No. But we sure ain't where we used to be. Amen? I mean, my dad graduated from boys high. My mama graduated from girls high. I mean, it wasn't, just, it wasn't just segregation of races, it was segregation of sexes. I don't know if you grew up in that, some of you grew up in that same mentality, or y'all are way past that, right? But to think that our society has matured to understand that there's more than the color of our skin. There's more to our sexuality that we are created in the image of God. We're created in Christ Jesus. Come on, somebody. Amen. Amen. We are blessed to have the freedoms that we have. And I thank God for the sacrifices of men and women who signed the Declaration of Independence. I mean, how many, how many have read the Declaration of Independence lately? This past week, I read that twice. I was like, wow. And, and to think that when these guys wrote at the very end it says and for the support of this declaration with a firm reliance on the on the protection of the divine providence we mutually pledge to each other our lives our fortunes and our sacred honor and they meant it right because when you think of these guys who signed that declaration of independence they many of them literally lost their fortunes and their lives defending this great nation at its infancy so that we could have this freedom today. Right? 
You know, I was thinking of many of you who served in the military and how honored we are that you served so that we can maintain our freedom. But you know what I love about this nation? And sometimes it's the very thing that people don't like about our nation is that when we see tyranny in any place in the world, we go after it. We don't like it. We don't stand for it. And we have went in, and and I want you to understand this, we have not been this person that just goes in because we want to go in and take over anything. Tyranny of corrupt leadership. Understand? Thank God for that. Thank God that we have had the moral compass to recognize that value, that lives value all around the world. Amen? That people are created in the image of God. Whether, no matter what our skin color is, God loves every one of us. When we get to heaven and, and we get to that gates of pearl, he's going to say, enter in thou, thou good and faithful servant. Come on, somebody. He's not going to say, well, what church did you go to? What denomination were you? Or what race were you? Or what language do you speak? Enter in because it's a whosoever will. I thank God for like Cornelia Burkham who who spent time in prison in her military experience, who, who fought for us in this nation. Thank you, Cornelia. Thank God for people like that. And although we might not be in a war, so to speak, we know that, that we have to fight for the freedom that we have. Amen? We live... In a broken world. And, and, and really the only reason that we have these wars is because of the curse of sin and the imperfection of mankind. In Romans, the earth, the Bible says the earth belongs, it longs for the Lord, longs for the creator. The, uh, like it's having birth pains. All creation is looking for redemption. Romans chapter 8 and 21 says that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. There's a key factor that says, will be. Come on, somebody. And that will be gives us the hope to know that one day, though we might live in a time where the whole earth is groaning with labor pains because of the corruption and the divisiveness that the enemy wants to bring in to bring separation and to tear us down, One day it will be redeemed. One day we shall see the freedom of the Holy Spirit. We shall see Jesus stepping out on the clouds of glory and says, it is all new in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 17 says, Now the Lord is, is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Come on. What does that mean? What, what does it mean that where the Spirit of the Lord is, that there's, there's freedom? What does that stand for? When I think about that, I think of Romans chapter 8 and verse 2, and it says, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. Guess what? I'm no longer bound to do what the flesh is inclined to do. Right? That natural being that's inside of me that is that is aligned with the flesh, that wants me to go out and do things that is inclined to the flesh in the sin nature, 
By Jesus Christ, when I accept him as my king and savior and Lord, I am no longer bound by the curse of the past, but I'm set free by the power of Jesus Christ to no longer have to walk in that past. It is old man. It is dead. It is gone. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. I will no longer live in that way. I am free in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't feel like I've got to go drink a keg anymore. Come on, somebody. I don't feel like I've got to go and and indulge myself in the sinful acts that I used to do because Jesus has set me free and my dependence on him allows me to be empowered by Jesus Christ to no longer walk in that way. Amen. I'm no longer bound to fulfill the lust of the flesh. Come on. I'm no longer bound to have to Walk in that way any longer. I'm no longer bound by the past. I'm no longer bound by my addictions. I'm no longer bound by the curse. I'm no longer bound because Jesus has filled the room and I'm a new creature in Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Romans chapter 10 and 4 says, For Christ is the end or the goal of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Wow. He's the goal. He's that. He's the... He's the ultimate desire. He's the, end, he's the end game. Come on, somebody. And so when I think of that, he's the end game, I think of this, that Paul said, not that I've already attained to this, but I keep on pressing for the mark. Somebody needs to know that you've got to keep on pressing. Just because you've uh, punched your ticket and said, I'm saved, doesn't mean that you've reached the ultimate end game. Hey, come on. Because we're not perfected yet, but guess what? I have that goal in mind. I have that idea in mind that I'm submitted and I'm committed to him for wherever he wants me to go, whatever he wants me to do. I know that I'm no longer bound by the past or hindered by anything from the past, but I can walk in his truth. The fact is, is you can't live life in the rearview mirror. I mean, look, if I continue to walk with my life view in the rearview mirror, I'm going to continue to recognize every mistake, every hiccup, every, everything that I've done wrong. And guess what? If you keep looking at everything you've done wrong, the things that you want to get right are no longer there. I mean, if I keep looking at the past, all I'm going to do is recognize the, the imager, imageries of me doing things that I shouldn't do. And guess what? I don't have to worry about that any longer. I don't, have to, I, don't have to, I don't have to do anything about that anymore because in Christ Jesus, the old man is dead. That's no longer who I am. That's no longer, you can't, you can't put that on me anymore because guess what? I am transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. I've been forgiven. Aren't you glad you've been forgiven? I mean, the only things I can do from Identifying the past is to recognize those who I've hurt and say, listen, I'm no longer that person. I love you. How many have had to do that before? I'm no longer that person. Yes, I was horrible. Yes, it was 
it was a bad thing for me to say. Yes, it was a bad thing for me. Yes, I made some horrible mistakes in my past. Yes, I hung around some wrong people that influenced me. Yes, those things are true, but that is no longer who I am. I'm no longer that person. I'm no longer in that same vein. I'm no longer leaning into the voices of the past, but I am now leaning into a voice that is higher than I, that speaks life, that speaks hope, that speaks love, that speaks justice, and it transformed me, and that is who I am today. Amen. Amen. I mean, the fact is, is that if we're still living in the past, we're declaring that the old man is still attached. The Apostle Paul said, deliver me from the body of death. Right? Some people don't understand what that literally means, but in those days, if you murdered somebody in certain circumstances, they would tie the, the old body to you, the body that was killed, they would tie it to you, and, and as it decayed, it would decay you, and you would die with that body. And what Paul was using, the imagery was, he was saying, the old deliver me from this body of death. He was saying, look, I know that that was I know that was horrible. I know that was old. I know that it had done some things wrong. And I know that it is dead. Please don't let that dead body be attached to me any longer. I don't want to die with the old man because I am new in Christ Jesus. Amen. 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 I guess I need to get to my message. Jesus, help us. Jesus, take the wheel. 1 Peter chapter 2, 1 Peter chapter 2, Billy gets on me all the time, starting with verse 13, it says, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, we also can see this in Romans chapter 13, whether it be to the emperor or king as supreme or to the governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil to the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Can I read that again? For this is the will of God. That by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Verse 16. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king. You know, when I think of this passage of Scripture, the very beginning, I know that, once again... Are we perfect? No. We don't have a perfect governmental system. We don't have perfect representatives because everybody at some point is broken. But I do believe that there's an intent to try to live a life that is good for us, right? That wants to bring about a peace for all people. Not everybody is there. Not everybody has grown. Not everybody has matured. But I want you to understand that just because we are to live a life that is submitted to the authorities that are ordained by God, according to Romans chapter 13, doesn't mean that our, doesn't mean that our submissiveness is permissiveness. 
Y'all hear what I'm saying? Doesn't mean that our submissiveness is permissiveness. Look, when, it, when, when anything is done that is, uh, that is an authority, if it's done outside of the will and the plan of God, then we as the body of Christ have to stand up and say, wait a minute. Come on. I got quiet on me for a minute there. And, and I'm not trying to say that we become activists or anything like that. I'm just saying that we have to let our voice be heard. We have to stand up for truth. And we do that not just by being out there demonstrating, but we do that by getting on our knees before God and recognizing that the only one that can change any situation and any mindset is the one who gets on his knees because it is the King of kings and Lord of lords that can enter into every, 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 every government, every society, every culture, every situation, and he can bring about life and hope and he can, trans- he can transform minds of kings because he is the only one. And so the first place that we have to garner, garner our, our attention is coming before the true King of kings and Lord of lords. We can say all we want to say outwardly, but until we get into the, into the closet before the true King of kings and Lord of lords, we better monitor our voice, we better monitor our, our mindset because we are still broken people who do broken things, but He is a King of kings and Lord of lords who brings life and hope and completeness. Jesus, help us, right? So submissiveness is not permissiveness. But then I see that in verse 15. For such is the will of God. How many want to do the will of God? I want to know that I'm following the volition of my king. Look, if I get into warfare and I'm not listening to the commander, I'm going to get killed, right? The problem with society is is that according to the word of God, they've cast off restraints. But you know what? I don't want to be cast off restraints. I want to know that I'm in the plan of God, that His plan has restrained me into the freedom of the Holy Spirit, that He's directing my path, that He's leading me, because when I'm going through enemy territory, I want Him to say, you better watch that thing on the left. It might get you. Come on. There's a place up in front of you, and the enemy's going to try to attack you. Just like he told Peter, the enemy desires to sift you as wheat. Somebody needs to know and be warned that the enemy wants to destroy you, and if you're not following the voice of God, it is so easy to fall off the path of God and into the enemy's hands and you might find yourself a prisoner of war and that is not God's plan for your life. For such is the will of God that by doing right you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. Have you ever... Have you ever had the testimony of where you have been abused or seen someone who has lived under the subjection of hardship and yet in the midst of hardship you still love and serve them? And how that transforms them? How that opens their eyes to something different? I mean, think about it. I mean, if if somebody has been harsh to you and you turn around and you do something kind for them, doesn't it cause them to step back a little bit and say, Wait a minute. They're not operating in the same flesh that I'm operating in. Right? I mean, if somebody speaks loud to you and you take offense to that, guess what you do? Guess what we do in the flesh? What do you mean? Huh? What gave you the right to talk to me that way? And not recognizing and really having the grace to understand that that they might be going something through, through something very harsh or they might experience something that's, 
that's been very rough on them that day. And so therefore, they're only responding to the atmosphere of what they've been through. And you just might be one who steps into the room and says, there's a different atmosphere. You might be one who brings peace to the atmosphere. And so when, when you speak peace and life into the midst of their brokenness, it might garner their attention and allow them to see something different. It just might be that you change the atmosphere. Amen? Romans chapter 12, verse 19 through 21 says, never take, your own, never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy, listen to this, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him drink. For in so doing, you are heaping burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So many times we think, well, I'm just going to love them to death. And, and, and we lose track of the understanding of what that means, heaping burning coals on their head. It just might be that it is the refiner's, your love and your attention and your grace toward them is the refiner's fire that just might deliver them from the slough of the world that might cause them to rise up above their hardships and brokenness and be transformed into the gem that God has created them to be. Amen? It could be that the fiery coals is a sense of embarrassment because of the way they have treated you and your love and your affection for them in the midst of your trials cause them to reflectively look on the inside of themselves and burn with embarrassment of the way they've treated you. Who knows? But I am here to tell you this. The Word of God says, Is it not my will for any to perish but for all to come to repentance? And I don't believe God is looking out there trying to kill everybody who doesn't do His will. He's looking for someone in some avenue that will awaken them so that they can see the truth of God, so that they can be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't matter if they're Buddhist or Muslim. It doesn't matter no matter what denomination. What He's looking for is the people will be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit so that they can be renewed by Him. Because no matter who they are, where they come from, no matter what country or continent, they are still created by God in His image and He loves them and He wants them to know Him. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 16 says, of 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 16 says, Act as free men. And do not use your freedom as a covering for evil, but use it as a bond servant or bond slave of God. God help us to realize what that looks like. I mean, you can look at Galatians chapter 5 and 1. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Verse 13 of that same chapter of Galatians chapter 5 says, For you were not, for you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. We just preached a, a message on serving one another a few weeks ago to honor our graduates, and we gave them a towel with the last part of this piece of scripture on it. It says, Through love serve one another. We've been given freedom. But that freedom should provoke us to love one another. 
Verse 14 says, For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, in the statement, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Amen? Come on. Preach, preacher. We're to love our neighbor as ourselves. Y'all mind if I come down here? I'm sorry. Messing up the video. You guys who are online may see my forehead. But you can still hear my voice. To think that it goes on and says, honor all people. Love the brotherhood. Right? What does it mean to honor all people? Look, it's not saying bow down, tolerate, or worship all people. It's saying honor them. Understanding that every single one of us are created by God. Would y'all accept that? Would you agree with that? Every single person is created by God. That means that every single person has a DNA that God has created and identified and is valued by Him and loved by Him. And because every single person is valued and loved by God, then we should also walk in that same identity to love and have compassion on them. It doesn't mean we accept the actions of every person. Amen? And so when we understand that when we're, where we can align, we align. But where they deviate from the plan of God is where we have to say, look, I love you, I accept you as a person, but I have to disagree with the mentality that you're walking in. But I agree to disagree. I'm not here to war against you. I'm here to say, look, it's okay that you believe that way, but I can't walk with you in that belief. Come on, somebody. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Amen. But let's communicate, let's, let's consider, let's honor everyone, right? And then it says, love the brethren, right? How I many know that there's a sense of when we are called to the body of Christ that there is an absolute love that we must have amongst ourselves to take care of one another? Because when you think about it, we are all parts of the same body. Amen? If we're all parts of the same body, look, I don't look down at my hand and say, I hate you. Right? I mean, there's times that I get up out of my chair and I, and I feel my knees creak and they have a little pain and I say, I'm a little irritated with you. Right? But I'm thankful for this body. And I want to do all that I can. Every morning I get up and I eat my Wheaties. Something like that. And I take my vitamins and my 81 milligram aspirin and my fish oil, and my, why? Because I hate this thing? No, because I want to take care of it. I want it to last, I, because I recognize it is the temple of the Holy Spirit created in Christ Jesus and His image, and therefore I want to do my best to take care of this thing and so it can last as long as it can so that I can share with you and everybody else as much as I can about the one who created it. Amen? Amen. So in that sense, when I recognize that we are the body of Christ, created in Christ Jesus, we are to love each other. We're to love the, the family of God. We are to absolutely care, compassionately take care of, and do our best to make sure that every need is met. Look at the New Testament. Look at Acts chapter 2. When we see that they were breaking bread together, they were meeting house to house, they were making sure that every need was met. That's who we are. Amen? We're to honor people, but we're to love 
We're to honor all people, right? But we're to love the body. We're to love the brethren. Come on. We need to love somebody. You got to love somebody. I didn't get that. Micah chapter 6 and 8 says, He has told you, old man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love mercy or kindness, and to walk humbly before your God. Sound about right? Here's a key factor. Honor everybody. Love the brethren. Fear God. Man, I, I, I think that's an unpopular term these days. The fear of the Lord. What happened? I mean, it used to be that you could, you could just about leave a church open anytime you wanted to, right? Everybody respected the church house, right? And not that the church house was some glorious, sanctified place, but it was just the fact that it, re, it resembled the place where the people of God met together to worship. And so therefore there was a high sense of respect for the place where people came together to worship. And nobody would touch that place. Nobody would go in and des- desecrate the things of God. But yet we see there's a lack of the fear of the Lord in our society today that doesn't care about anything that God, that's to do with God, it doesn't care about anything to do with Christianity and Christ and will desecrate and destroy and tear down any imagery that would portray the image of Christ. There is a lack of the fear of God. But you know where it really hits home is the fact that that same lack of the fear of God has crept into the body of Christ and we wonder how can we walk in the freedom of God when we don't even fear God any longer. Jesus. God help us. I mean, why would he set you free when you're only willing to go back walking in the same avenues, the same paths, because you say, well, you know, God set me free so I can go anywhere I want to go. I can do anything I want to do because I'm always saved now. God, help us that when we say that we surrender to Jesus Christ, that we understand that he is the king eternal. Do we get that? He's the king eternal. He's not just some blip in the moment where you bow down before an altar and say, well, Lord, just take my problems and let me alone. God, take this burden away from me, but let me live my life the way I want to live it. That is not what the fear of the Lord is. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. If we would surrender to Him and know that it is Him, the Bible says that, why would I fear man? What can He do to me? But fear, rather fear Him who can destroy both body and soul in hell, right? I want to know that I am submitted to the one that can write my eternal story, who can write it or blot it out. But I want to know that I am living before Him so that He's continuing to write my story. Amen? I want to know that I'm living for Him, that I'm walking in line with Him. I don't know about you, but see, back in the old days, parents still had a little discipline discipline in them. Right? Do we even know what that means anymore? 
You still whipping Aaron? <laughs> I mean, I, I want you to understand that I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about anger, punishment. I'm talking about true discipline, correcting a child, directing them in the way they should go, leading them in a path of righteousness. I'm talking about helping them understand. Look, if, if you just let them touch the dot, the eye, then you're not helping them. Pop their hand a little bit and say, wait a minute, son, wait a minute, daughter, I love you enough that I don't want you to get into that. Right? I'm going to meddling. Jesus, help him. We need the fear of the Lord. And we need to walk in the fear of the Lord. And we need to ingrain that in the disciplinary Ideas of teaching our children to walk in the fear of the Lord, helping them understand truth in life, helping them understand that there's consequences for sin, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. And if you don't understand this, if you don't understand consequences for sin, then you will never be able to submit yourself to the King. Amen? Amen? So we need to learn to honor all, love the brethren, Fear the Lord. And lastly, it says honor the emperor or honor the king. Look, you better get up here. Yeah, thank you. You better. You, you better. Look, the, that word that is established and written there can mean two things. We can look at it as honoring the, the, the king who we sit under in our earthly kingdom, but it also, also can mean the the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And but either way, look, I'm not endorsing any political figure, but those who God has placed over us, we're called to pray for. We're called to pray that God gives them wisdom so that so that we can have peace, right? I don't know of a president in my knowledgeable years of having a president that I've agreed with everything they've done. Maybe you have. Hmm. I'm not old enough yet to know. But I will say this. I have prayed for every president that has been established over me because that was God's command to me. I pray. Why? Why would you pray for crazy presidents? Because they are ordained by God. So pray. I'm not saying, like I said, I'm not saying we endorse every factor or every policy or everything that's done. But the only way to change any policy or change any avenue or any mindset is first on our knees. To pray for them. And ask God to intervene into their homes, into their lives, into their families. Ask Him to let His Holy Spirit guide and lead them. Look, it was a wicked king, Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar who's, who, I'm sorry, Cyrus, who let the people of Israel go. In other words, even God can use wicked kings to do good things. And even though Jonah didn't like it, he went in and delivered a message 
to Nineveh to tell them to turn from their wicked ways. He didn't like it. He didn't like those people. But even when he didn't like it, he had to obey God. We're called. We might, we might end up in the belly of a whale. I don't know. But we still have to deliver a message. Even to people we don't agree with. Even to things we don't understand. We still have to deliver a message that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by Him. You might be ridiculed for it. You might be cast down for it. But the freedoms we have are not freedoms to walk around, to do anything we want to do, to live our lives in plush, posh lifestyles, to have every toy that's imaginable because it's not that he who dies with most toys wins. Our freedom is that we're no longer bound by sin. And that the freedom we have is that we have the freedom to share a message no matter what the cost might be, it might be that we have to sacrifice. If you read First and Second Peter, you'll understand that there is suffering that will take place. But the freedom is this, that we know that this is not the end of our life, but we have a life in glory. We have a kingdom waiting for us that we will be able to walk in His presence under the kingship of Christ Jesus. That's the freedom I have. That when I die... This is not the end. If everything is stripped from me, this is not the end. If all of the quote-unquote rights and freedoms that I have on this earth are taken away and I'm shoved into a prison like Dietrich Bonhoeffer who would not bow down to Adolf Hitler, if everything was taken from me, I'm still going to stand on the solid word of Jesus Christ. It's unshakable. It's undeniable. It's all-powerful. It will see me through to the very end. It will be my life's witness. It will be everything that I need, and that's what I'm trusting in. That's the freedom I have. As I serve a king that is not of this world. And I'm living for him daily. And I'm trusting in him. That's the independence I have. Is to be dependent on Jesus. Amen? That's what I'm asking you to walk in. If we follow the scripture, if we will honor all, love the brethren, fear the Lord, honor the king, then I guarantee you, you might bring a shift in the atmosphere of your present conversations, and you just might change the world. You want, you're not going to win everybody. Don't get that dream in your mind. But you might impact enough people with the love of God that they can see that you love them, that you care for them and that you desire to see them, their lives uplifted and encouraged as yours is. Father, I thank you for from the very beginning of this service to even this moment right now, you've been working on hearts and minds in this church. 
Lord, when we were singing Fill the Room, Lord, I truly believe there's some temples in this place that were filled by your Spirit. Lord, I believe there were some things that were extracted from the room that needed to be taken away, but there's also some injections that were made by the presence and the power of God that enlightened and equipped and brought revelation and fresh word into our hearts. And I pray that as we continue as a body, that we will align ourselves with your perfect plan, that we will not walk contrary to the will of God, but we'll allow the words of truth to rise up in us. Let us not become comfortable with cozying up to the cultural mindsets of our world, but God, let us rise above culture and say this is the Christ that is the Messiah, the King, and this is who we serve, and we will walk in His truth no matter what culture might try to predict or try to contradict. We will say, this is how we shall live because we are free in Christ Jesus. God, allow us to, to take a hold of Your Word and let it be the true manual and living, breathing Word and sword of the Spirit that it was caused to be And Lord, let it begin to engage us and transform us so that we can become equipped disciples in the army of the Lord to be able to combat the enemy's schemes and his plots against mankind. Lord, bring about a unity in us. A unity in us that demonstrates the light of your love and the hope of your glory. In Jesus' name.